This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. All right, we get O-line, we get tight end. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Plenty of offensive line talk. We talk about the new addition in the tight end room. Then we move over to the cornerback room. It feels like Duke is really busy in Phoenix. I mean, he's out there shaking hands, meeting owners, talking to GMs, head coach Zach Taylor's out there, but the work never stops. And I feel like the last four years have been pretty solid for the Bengals when it comes to free agency. They add a cornerback. I saw your tweet yesterday. Sydney Jones, Eli Apple, we've talked about him before, and I'm still holding out hope that Eli right. Apple is brought in to Cincinnati, and I think that would be huge because you can never have enough cornerbacks. I brought up that the Bengals could draft a cornerback at 28, and a lot of people are like, no, 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 why would they do that? You can get another player. Look, you have to think ahead, and you need that just in case there's an injury, and Zach Taylor even said that, you know, you can always have um, plenty of cornerbacks in your secondary. They bring Sydney Jones in. I feel like it's a very 50-50 split. People are excited. He's CB number four right now. Could be CB number five. What do you think of Sidney Jones and the signing for the Bengals? I mean, I like it. I Man, I know that people are kind of split. I'm not going to say like this was a slam dunk home run signing. It's fine. I like it. I think this is a – it's similar to the Eli Apple signing, except he's been better um, than Eli Apple was prior to coming. You know, Eli Apple – in New Orleans and then Carolina. I don't even know if people remember he was in Carolina. He played 20 something snaps. That's all he did in Carolina. He was on his way, like out of the league and the Bengals brought him in and turned his career around flourished. I don't understand why there's so many people that are upset about the Sidney Jones thing. A he's depth. So he's not going to be Jalen Ramsey, but he's good depth. He was supposed to be a first round pick, but then he tore I can't remember what ligament he tore, lower body. He tore a lower body ligament, (laughs) something, knee, maybe Achilles. I can't remember exactly, but he was, you know, he was good coming out. Disappoints a little bit, didn't have the athleticism he had coming out. But then two years ago, or maybe three years, I don't know how you're counting, uh, with the Jaguars, he was actually surprisingly good. He got a deal with uh, Seattle after that, but Seattle, they drafted Tariq Woolen and kind of, that guy did great. So uh, Sidney Jones ended up getting cut. He goes to the Raiders, doesn't really play. And then PFF has him listed terrible, even though his ratings before that were good. You know, it's he only played 100 snaps last year. It He might have been on his way out of the league himself, pretty much. So the Bengals sign him. And I feel like there's a pattern here. I feel like you look at the Eli Apple trajectory of he was, you know, 
didn't he was disappointment a little bit not a little bit he was a he was a disappointment in new york went to new orleans didn't do great there went to carolina didn't even win the job and after that you're thinking like well he might be out sandy jones disappointed early actually played pretty well for jacksonville but then went to seattle didn't have the job might have been on his way out so that's what i'm seeing is just like I don't understand people that are upset about this and saying like, Oh my God, he's so much worse than Eli. It's like, we haven't seen them in the same situation, man. Like Lou Anarumo coaching these guys versus Vegas. I'd take Anarumo and what he can do and turn around these careers. So that's all I'm looking at. And I still think Eli Apple could sign back. I don't think he will, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm like 40, 60 on it. Like I, I if I had to guess, no, but. It could happen because you can't have enough corners. They could even draft a guy and bring Eli Apple back. And well, that might be enough corners, but. <laughs> but... We're not talking about cutting guys by that point. <laughs> no, um, it, with Eli Apple, it's kind of crazy because the reaction, I, I always felt like Eli didn't get enough credit um, from the overall NFL fan base when you think of what he was able to do in Cincinnati last year. But then when they signed Cindy Jones, you get the reaction of, but what about Eli Apple? And I'm like, wait a minute, people were down on Eli Apple when he was here. You know, which one is it when it comes to the depth of the cornerback position, even though Eli Apple was a starter last year with Cheeto down? I still think, and and maybe it's just because I feel like I've said it before, it's home and since it, it feels like home in Cincinnati for Eli. And maybe this is a June, July, or you get into preseason September. I'm naming all the months um, that Eli Apple ends up coming back to Cincinnati, but we'll see what happens. I, I do. I trust Louie Naruma when it comes to the secondary room and the cornerbacks. He gets the best out of all of these guys. And that's why when you, when you look at the secondary, I'm really excited what he's going to be able to do with Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt in year two. Um, just, just overall, those guys are, they have a good coach. I'm glad he's back. And this is a huge year to have him as the defensive coordinator. So I think it's fine, but overall, when it comes to free agency, it looks like the Bengals. Um, and I don't think that they're done. Maybe, you know, major signings and look after we record this, will probably sign Zeke. Uh, but uh, I think overall, I feel like this this free agency has been pretty solid when it comes to just filling some of the holes right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything except right tackle is filled now. You've got your tight end. You've even got your cornerback four. You've got your safeties. You've got basically everything. So it just comes down to now, is this what they're rolling with for right tackle? Do they feel comfortable with, like, four guys that they could take at 28 for right tackle because like we talked about with Brandon, it's just not a lot of guys after pick 28 that you can really plug and play at right tackle. And even the guys that were, are able to maybe play right away are left tackles. So you have to make a projection. So that's the one question I think we all have because Jonah currently says he won't play it. I don't know. That's the most intriguing part. If Jonah's at right tackle, then they don't have any holes. And this is just a strictly BPA draft. That is great. That would be perfect. Ideal. Maybe you could take a corner. Maybe you take a tight end. Maybe you take uh, an offensive tackle. The great part, you don't have to take any of them. You feel good about the guys you have this year. And yeah, you've got the issue next year of like, well, you know, Irv leaves and, you know, corner leaves. There's a few corners on the one-year deals, Sidney Jones and Chidobe Awuzie. So there's, there's a little bit there you have to look at for the future, but for the immediate, for the Super Bowl window, 
if Jonah plays right tackle, this team's probably as good, if not better, than it was last year. And that's before the draft. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm going to stay with Jonah right now because you know, we can always talk more offensive line. And we haven't seen, you know, really anything ramp up besides the trade demand from his camp a couple weeks ago. And Zach Taylor talked about it. And he's like, look, I, I hope he's our right tackle uh, when we start the season. And I think that's the best option right now because I don't know what they're going to do at 28. And, and maybe they do go O-line or maybe they bank on us second round offensive lineman for the future at the right tackle position. And they know more about Leo Collins, but I don't feel really great about it, pushing him out there. But uh, Jonah Williams at the moment, I think they're, I think some people forget that his contract is guaranteed with that $12 million. So, you know, whether you, you don't like to hear him wanting to get traded and maybe the Bengals, they're not getting the offers that they want because they hold the leverage. Mike Brown isn't going to say, yeah, you know what? Give me a sixth. And, uh, and maybe, maybe he will when they get to September because they get a draft pick at 28 and somebody will take the 12 million off their books. But Jonah Williams, he isn't going to get cut. He's going to be an offensive lineman if he isn't traded for the Cincinnati Bengals next year. Maybe he's on the bench and he's not playing, but I just feel like Jonah and you have Frank Pollock and maybe those conversations behind the scenes that Jonah's, he's still going to show up to work. Um, he, he's going to want to get paid that $12 million. So I don't know. I still kind of have this, this, this sense that Jonah's going to be their starting right tackle when they start in September. Yeah. And I think the big part of that is I don't think people are going to meet what the Bengals want unless there's an injury right now. You just look around and I think teams will talk themselves into their left tackle. The Colts, we look at, at that and we go, that's spot. You know, why not trade Jonah to the Colts? And Jonah wants to be a left tackle. He doesn't want to be a right tackle. Doesn't want to play inside. So that also limits it. And then, you know, the Colts have probably talked themselves into, look, we've got this young guy, Bernard Raymond. We feel okay about that, yada, yada. We're not, you know, they're not really competing right now. <laughs> so why would they make the trade? The Buccaneers, another place you could look at, and like maybe you could trade Jonah there because they just lost Donovan Smith. They cut Donovan Smith. Don't you think there's a plan? <laughs> so uh, there's, you know, there's just a few spots. It, and maybe it works out. Maybe they can get what they want. But I feel like what the Bengals want, is maybe a second, maybe a third plus something. And I think what is market right now is probably like a fourth, just the cap hit, the one year. If you're going above a fourth, you probably have to extend him. I'm not sure who feels comfortable extending him, making him the long-term left tackle. So when you look at it, yeah, it's tough because in the Bengals would be more incentivized to just send him off if this was early free agency if this was like day one of free agency or, or before free agency, he asked for a trade. You could think like, okay, we'll trade him. We'll sign Orlando Brown. Now Orlando Brown's basically $4 million cap it or whatever, because we lost the 12.6. And then we can use that extra money to go do something else. At this point, what are you out there signing? And I know extensions could work out into, you know, factoring into this. Maybe that's what you're making the room for. I just don't think you have to trade him off and lose talent to sign an extension with, other players. I would have been all for it if it was before free agency, trade him, 
and now you're bringing in some high-end talent, but it's late. It's late. Like, who are the guys you're bringing in? <laughs> they signed Irv Smith. Um, so maybe you're looking at, like, pass rushers. It looked like they were looking at that with a few guys they brought in. But it's not like guys like Melvin Ingram or whoever whoever are really going to cost you that much money. So, yeah. And they still have money. They still have money laying around for the cap room. I think it's well over 10 million still that they can play with before the draft and everything there. Like they like to roll things over as well. And they still have about 10 million or so to mess around with. So that that's the whole Jonah thing is just, there's not a lot of guys out there that you could trade him and go make a big splash signing. Like if you, Javon Hargrave's not out there coming to go play for the Bengals anymore. You know, even Dalton Schultz or somebody that was a $9 million cap hit. That would have made a lot of sense, you know, trade Jonah off save some money or do the mixing thing, but we're not talking about that this podcast uh, and just save some money, bring them in. Even Zeke, Zeke's probably not going to cost that much. And I think if you do anything with Zeke, it's going to mess with the mixing deal more than it's going to mess with the Jonah deal because you're bringing somebody into that same position. The Zeke stuff got really quiet after we recorded our podcast. I mean, the Eagles talked about it. They felt really comfortable with what they have. The Jets feel comfortable with what they have. And then Cincinnati, Zach Taylor was asked about it later that night at a high school event for St. X. And he was pretty much like, oh, you know, I'm pretty, I like our roster. Uh, just really, you know, shaking his head surprised. Uh, but but I can't believe Zach Taylor anymore because he's throwing out all this coach speak. So maybe he It's all coach speak. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to go like, yeah, we, <laughs> if we miss out on Zeke, you might as well write us off as Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> that would be so silly because you don't even have this free agent yet. He isn't signed. Yeah, and be like, yeah. yep, we have interest because then his market goes up and uh, Zeke somewhere else. And and I said it before, we said it on this podcast last week. If they bring Zeke in, I have no problem if he is a P. Ryan replacement and maybe mm -hmm. you, you still draft a rookie. You need to still draft a rookie running back. Um, more than likely not at 28, but maybe um, in the second or third round for me personally. So yeah, the Zeke stuff, he said he wanted to have his decision made by the end of this week. Uh, it, it really kind of sounded like after we recorded last week that it was more of a Zeke list than it was the team list, which is really, it's really good PR and marketing for a agency and a player because it gets you thinking because other teams are like, Oh, those three teams have an interest. I'm going to give a call and see what they're offering. So yeah, to be determined, maybe Zeke is on the Bengals roster by the end of the week. How are you still feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, good as long as it's cheap. He is a better P Ryan. That is the if he's willing to accept that role, he's a better P Ryan. Like that. That's what's that's what would be great. I think he is just as if not more reliable as a pass protector. He's got probably more receiving chops and more juice to him. So sounds great to me. Sign me up. Uh, it just depends if he's willing to do that. You think of you know big time running backs of the past. Some of them don't want to do that. Some of them are like Adrian Peterson, just going team to team. You need a runner? Here we go. I'm going to go get you 600 yards. Frank Gore used to, you know, he was doing that too. So for a long time. So if he's willing to accept a decreased role, love it. If he's if he's coming to Cincinnati and they cut Mixon, they give him a big deal, and they're like, you are the star. You're the starting running back. We're not even interested in the draft. It's like, okay, hold on. This, uh, this might not be a good idea. That's the problem. But if you think of him, he fits a role very, very well.
me being like, you know what, we're not going to talk running back. We're going to talk other positions. But we had to throw in a little bit of running back update to see what's going on over there. But, yeah, maybe there's a decision by the end of the week and they add Zeke. But right now it really doesn't feel like a, a whole lot of interest from Cincinnati. But that's according to Zach Taylor earlier um, in the week last week. You're busy over in all Bengals. You had today off, so you're able to watch a lot of Irv Smith Jr. tape. What is going to be online for fans to check out? Finally, I've gotten past the existential dread of I don't know what I'm writing about. There's an Irv Smith article coming up. <laughs> easy. You know, they make their job easy sometimes. So that'll be up by the time you're probably listening to this. Perfect. Go check it out. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back later in the week to see if there's any more pre-agency news for the Cincinnati Bengals. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.